So imagining the following scenario, uh, you're after a Shabbos walk, you get back home, and on the handle of your front door, the knob that you turn to get into your house, there's a hammer. Your neighbor, your non-Jewish neighbor, had borrowed your hammer some time ago. They returned it. They wanted to make sure that you would see it, so they perched it and rested it on your door handle. So the only way you can get into your house is by moving the hammer out of the way. Are you allowed to do it? Is the hammer muksa? If it is muksa, then what are the laws governing this particular type of muksa? So this is the first installment of the Shabbos Learning Project podcasts that deal with the categories of muksa. And the category that we're going to discuss today are objects of prohibited use. In Hebrew, kli shemalachto le'iser. The definition of this category of nuksa are utensils, objects, whose primary use is forbidden on Shabbos. The classic example of this, as mentioned in the Gemara and in the Shulchan Aruch, is a hammer. A hammer is used for all types of building, and building is one of the 39 molachos of Shabbos. So a hammer is a classic example of a kli shemalachto le'iser, the category of muksa known as an object of forbidden use, prohibited use. Now, building with a hammer is a biblical prohibition. It's a malacha. What about prohibitions, an object that's used for a prohibition which is not deoraisa, it's not of biblical origin, it's lower down, it's of rabbinic origin? Uh, for example, a scale. Um, we're not supposed to weigh and measure things on Shabbos, but that is a biblical, that's not a biblical prohibition, that's a rabbinic prohibition, that's derabana. So a, does that, uh, is that included in a klish malachtal iser? Is that included in this category of an object of prohibited use? The answer is yes. An object which is prohibited to use for any reason, biblical, rabbinic, or even a minhuk, is included in this category of uh, muktzah. And we're going to explain what difference it makes that it's in this category as opposed to another category. Our first object here is just to define the objects of prohibited use. So you have things of biblical prohibition like a hammer. You have things of uh, rabbinic prohibition like a scale or um, many electronics, according to many poskin, uh, are not don't involve a use which is biblically prohibited. It's, it's definitely prohibited, but on a Dirabanan level, that would also be included in this category. Another example of something which is prohibited more as a minhug, an important minhug, and widely accepted one, but a minhug nonetheless, would be a bicycle. Um, a bicycle is something which is accepted uh, as something prohibited to use on Shabbos, but it doesn't fall under a specific label of biblical or rabbinic prohibition. And even so, bicycles are in this category of objects of prohibited use of Eklish and Malachto Iser. So that's our, de- that's our first step in defining it. Now, what about something which is not actually used for something that is prohibited on Shabbos, but it's used to assist? Uh, for example, a telephone book. Back in the days when we had telephone books, or we used them, didn't just look things up, Google it. Uh, a telephone book is something that you used when you made a phone call. So the post can speak about this. Is that something which is considered uh, of prohibited use or not? So the uh, majority of post that I saw say yes, a telephone book, since it is used to aid something which is prohibited on Shabbos, it's also considered to be a klish malachto le'iser. Similarly, the Mishnah Bura 
sites that a wallet or a pouch that's usually used for money, that's not used for money right now, would also be in that category because it's used to assist, it's used to contain something which is a, uh, uh, an object of prohibited use. Another example would be a computer bag, a bag which is normally used for a computer. You happen to take your computer out of it before Shabbos, but it's always designated for that. That's also in the same category. A cookbook, another great example. So these are all examples of things that are not used themselves for an action which is prohibited on Shabbos, but they assist or are used for an item which is uh, aser. Um, next, what about uh, objects that have multiple uses? It's not used just like a pen which is used just for writing or a hammer which is used for building. It's used for different things. Um, for example, the Mishnah Baruch talks about pots, pots and pans. Pots and pans are, yeah, they're used for cooking, but we also store things in pots and pans, especially you have uh, contemporary um, kitchen utensils like uh, Pyrex. Pyrex, uh, part of the attraction of a Pyrex is that you can use it to bake and you can cover it and use it to store things in. So what, what do we consider a, a Pyrex or a pot which you can cook with and also store food in? So this is, uh, this is something which can be in the same category, but it really depends. It depends on what the primary usage is. A pot is primarily used for cooking and not for storage. And therefore, it's considered to be a kli shemolach dol iser. It's considered to be in this category of objects of prohibited use. Um, an example of something which is not necessarily in that category would be like the old calculator watch. Uh, it's something that you can use for calculations to push the buttons and and uh, and do arithmetic, but its primarily its primary function is a is a watch, and therefore it would not be a klish malachta leiser, and we could be much freer about when we're allowed to move that type of watch. It would be permitted to move for any pur- any any purpose at all. Now there are some objects that we can use for permissible things, even if they're generally not used for that. Your classic example is the hammer. A hammer which was used for building, which is prohibited on Shabbos. You can use it to crack nuts in a pinch. Um, and that's a kind of normal usage. But what about objects that really have no permissible use? There's really no reason, reason you would ever use them other than their intended impermissible use. For example, a portable grill, like a George Foreman grill. You really can't, don't use it for anything other than grilling. Or... A more everyday example, a sponge. It's prohibited. We're not allowed to use regular sponges on Shabbos. They, involved, they involve the malacha of, of dash. Uh, sometimes they can involve the malacha of libun. That's threshing and that's uh, um, cleansing. So uh, those, And there's really no permitted use for a sponge or a grill. So there's much discussion about this, from the early commentaries all the way down to contemporary postgame about this topic. That means objects that are of prohibited use that really have no normal permitted use. There are many weighty opinions that hold that this type of object with no normal permissible use is a higher level of muksa. It's totally set aside. As we'll see in a moment, this category of muksa can be used when you want to use the object for something that's mutter, something that's permissible, or you need the space. But if it's the higher level, of a Kalisha Malach if it's the, uh, an ultimate prohibited vessel, op- ultimate prohibited object, so then there are many who maintain that that can't be used, that can't be moved at all. 
It's more like the category of intrinsic iser, uh, intrinsic muksa, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks. So this is a subject of a great debate. The postkins are split on this. Uh, it seems that the practice here by many in the United States is to take a more lenient approach. Uh, when I lived in Israel, it seemed to there that most took a more stringent approach. Um, but I think the general practice here, as has been told to me by several postkim, is that the general practice is to take a more lenient approach, which means that we wouldn't differentiate between a, an object of prohibited use that has a permitted use, like a hammer to crack a nut, or something that has no permitted use, like a sponge. We wouldn't really make a differentiation. But I'd be remiss if I didn't clarify this important stringency, which is adopted by many. So just to give an example of where this might apply for those who are stringent in this matter, um, as I mentioned, like your foreman grill, uh, your bathroom scale, a sponge, paint, um, a drill, or an iron. I mean, there's so many of these objects that really don't have any normal permissible use. So they, those would all be in this category, including in this might be electronic devices like a laptop or a tablet. Um, although those also have another category of muksamach maschester and kiss because they're valuable, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks. Um, but anything that has a normative secondary use, then that, even according to the more stringent opinion, um, that would be a regular kalisha malachtul iser. Like uh, some exam- examples of this include a mop, which uh, is usually used to. Uh, ring out and wipe up and, and clean the floor, which is prohibited. But if you're just using it to soak up a spill, uh, that's permitted. So we've now defined what this category includes. Now let's talk about the ways in which it is permissible or impermissible to handle these objects. Um, and here, as an aside, I have to make clear something that I should have talked about in the introduction. Uh, which is that the prohibition of muksa is a prohibition to move muksa objects. There is no prohibition against touching muksa objects. And obviously, uh, if we touch a screen, it's going to turn on, and that's a problem. And there may be other issues with touching muksa objects. But uh, per se, there's no prohibition against moving, excuse me, against touching a muksa object, only against moving a muksa object. So if someone is uh, leaning on a car, um, I've seen people uh, caution others against leaning on cars. So that might be smart because you can set off the alarm or there could be other things that you set off. But even though a car is muksa, obviously, because it's a great example of a klisha malachtol iser, it's a, something which is used only for uh, impermissible use when you drive. Uh, nevertheless, leaning on a car would not be a problem of muksa. So that's an important distinction that muksa is the prohibition uh, against moving muksa items. So now back to our discussion here. Now we've defined what a klish malachtol iser is, what a object is, what the category of an object of prohibited use, what that includes. Now, what difference does it make? How is this different than other objects of muksa? The answer is that unlike more stringent categories of muksa, which we'll discuss later, a klish malachtol iser, this category of muksa, of items that are generally used for prohibited things, these type of objects may be moved uh, you can move it in order to use it for a permissible purpose, or you can move it 
if you need the space upon which it is resting. Those are the two uh, ways in which we are allowed, it's perfectly permissible, to move these type of muksa items. So, for example, um, I can take a hammer, as the Shulchan Aruch says, to crack a nut, because a hammer, even though it's usually used in building, which is prohibited, I can use it for a permissible use, a normal permissible use, like cracking a nut. Another example, we mentioned before the postgame who said that a phone book would be considered in this category, but if you need to find an address in the phone book, then that would be fine because you're moving the phone book to use it for a permissible purpose. Pots, we mentioned before that, according to the Mishnah Burai, pot would be in this category. But if you're storing your food or moving it over onto the, uh, to the plata to heat up on Shabbos, that's permissible because you're taking this object for a permissible use. I've even seen Postkin permit the use of a pen as a pointer. Yes, a pen is muksa. We shouldn't, you don't move a pen just for no reason. But if you want to take a pen because you usually use a pen as you're reading to point to the place, so then it would be permissible to move the pen and to handle the pen. Not to write, obviously, but to use it to point would be permissible. Uh, not only that, not only are you allowed to take it for a permissible use right now, you can even take it and in your hand, you can even move it if you think there's a good chance you'll need to move it later. Uh, you remembered last Shabbos that uh, you couldn't find your nutcracker and you bought walnuts again this Shabbos. So you could take your hammer from your garage to use for the Shabbos meal, even if it's a few hours later. Not only that, but another leniency is that you can actively decide to use a muksa object. Again, everything I'm saying here is in this category of muksa that we're dealing with this week, objects of prohibited use. So if I left my hammer outside on a table, um, a lawn table, and I have guests coming, and I want them to be able to, uh, I don't want the hammer there. So I can take the hammer and decide to crack a nut with it inside, even though I don't really need it. But I can actively decide to use it for a permissible purpose in order to use it. What I cannot do, I can't move these, this type of muksa for no reason, and I also can't move it to save it. So... Uh, if it's lying outside and it's going to be lost or stolen, that wouldn't allow me to be able to move this muksa object. Um, at a later date, we'll discuss um, general permissions, general ways in which we might be able to move muksa objects. But right now, we're going to stick to the uh, the category that we're discussing. Uh, so, again, the... Uh, one of the two primary ways in which we are allowed to handle this type of muksa is to use it for a permissible uh, use. A second way in which we're allowed to move it is if we need the place upon which the muksa item is resting. If you have a hammer on a chair and you want to sit in that chair, you can pick up the hammer and move it. If somebody took a cake out of the oven as Shabbos was setting it right before Shabbos and forgot to close the oven and it's open, and blocking your passage into a part of your kitchen, you're allowed to close the oven door because it's in your way, uh, even though an oven is muksa. So uh, that's the second way in which we're allowed to move this t- category of muksa when you need this space. Um, this uh, this heter, this permission, uh, extends pretty far. 
it's not just if you need this space. Here's another example. Let's say you have a fan which is blowing on you. And according to many, a fan is a klish malach iser. It's an object that fits in this category of general prohibited use. So the fan is blowing on you, and uh, it's, it's, bother, it's bothersome, you're too cold. You're allowed to move the fan over because it's bothering you where it is. So that's tantamount to needing this space that it's taking up. Here's another example. If you have an alarm clock which is ringing, and uh, the alarm clock is disturbing you, as it does many people, most people. <laughs> so alarm clock is, is ringing and you can't turn it off on Shabbos. You're allowed to pick up that alarm clock and move it somewhere else because it's, so to speak, taking up your space. So using its space, needing its space, is the second way, the second scenario in which it is permitted to move this type of muksa. Let me add one more point about moving this type of muksa. Um, so let's say you had that alarm clock scenario, you picked it up, and now you're going to move it. Um, how far can you move it? Do you have to drop it as soon as you can? Or can you pick up the alarm clock and move it um, in the linen closet and bury it under some towels so that it doesn't make too much noise? So the, uh, the Elia Rabbah, cited by the Mishnah says, yes, you, you can really uh, take it anywhere it needs to go. Once you have it in your hand, once you've picked it up and you're allowed to pick it up because you're using it for a permissible purpose or you need this space upon which it is lying, then you can move it anywhere you need it to go. Okay, so that does it for our first class. We covered a lot in this class. Just to recap, we defined what an object of prohibited use is. That's uh, any level of prohibition, be it rabbinic, uh, biblical rabbinic, or even a uh, minhag. Um, we talked about how far this type of object extends even to items that are used to assist a prohibited action, meaning actions that are prohibited on Shabbos. Um, we talked about the extra stringency that some posts can maintain that an object of prohibited use that has no normal permitted use, that that might be a higher category that you, you can't move at all. Um, and then we talked about the ways in which you are allowed to move this general category. Um, which is either for using the item itself for something permitted, or if you need the space uh, that is occupying or if it's bothering you. So that's the uh, general overview. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to pick up your quiz sheets, which features questions that you should now be able to answer based upon the, uh, the learning we did today. Uh, and also don't forget to uh, uh, log your answers um, on Matzi Shabbos so that you can be entered into a raffle to win a Shabbos meal for six sponsored by Kosher Gourmet. Thank you very much. Good Shabbos.